This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. Well, we do have a guest on hold. <laughs> Donna Peduto is our guest. She's probably thinking, what in God's name have I gotten myself into? Sometimes I just start yeah. to sing, you know, hello, Dolly. That's a great song. I love that song. Love the show. How about, how about hello, Donna? <laughs> hello, Donna. You can sing to me. I love that. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I, sometimes I forget, you know, with with guests who are new to the show that they don't quite understand how we operate here. Things get a little get a little loose sometimes, Donna. But uh, but we get serious too, and I, I want like to get that. serious with you. Uh, Donna's a former teacher. I want to mention that she currently serves as the executive director of the West Virginia Public Education Collaborative, and numerous stops with education background along the way, including and I want to get to this in a minute. Uh, the first state coordinator of the first innovation zones initiative in west virginia but uh I, I, we're talking so much or hearing so much donna about the teacher shortage in west virginia and i have some thoughts on it but you're a much more expert in this than i am i guess number one why are we having a teacher shortage i mean what's your opinion about that well i really appreciate you asking me this because i sort of have a different impression of what's causing it than maybe some of the other experts and nobody's right or wrong but I think that you know when I think about my time as a teacher and I was there for 23 plus years I have to think you know what incentivized me to stay beyond you know the love of students and I my parents were from a business background and they were always pushing me. They loved it that I was a teacher. They were proud of me, but they were pushing me like, what's the next step? You know, what are you going to do to better yourself? And what, you know, what, what's on the career ladder? And unfortunately, teachers have really limited opportunities for career advancement within the profession, unless you want to be a principal or superintendent, which is certainly a worthy goal, but that wasn't what motivated me. So when I think about what, how did I end up with this constant pressure that I really had from my father in particular? to get out, get in the business world, what made me stay there for 23 years. I have to think that, you know, the fact that I was empowered every day as a teacher leader, that was, that was a big thing for me because I had opportunities to mentor and support, you know, new teachers along with a really supportive principal who, you know, really elevated the teaching profession and encouraged me to, you know, push forward. It's a really good point that you make in terms of, of advancement. Um, not, I mean, some teachers probably do want to become administrators and, and so on, and, and that's, that's we need good administrators too. Uh, but generally, teachers like to teach. And, you know, sometimes the only way to, quote, advance is to move into administration, and that's leaving behind the things that you like. So it seems to me your point is well taken. We've got to find ways to make the teaching experience uh, one that is, uh, I don't know if enjoyable is not the right word, but one that folks want to, want to stay, stay with. 
Um, but I don't. But how do we do that? I mean, it's, it, I hear the phrase empowering teachers, but how do we do that? Well, when you look at the national data, it shows that the more that schools invest in the leadership opportunities for teachers, the higher their teacher retention rate. And I think that the way that I it happened for me was I had a principal and leader at the county level that um, kind of cultivated that sense of collaboration within the teaching force in our school where you had a sense of belonging, a sense of autonomy. You felt like you were part of a greater cause. It wasn't just you in your fourth grade classroom. And I think, you know, when you read the national data, that's really a key point for all uh, employees, no matter what your profession, if you have that sense of belonging and autonomy. But I know in, in my case, we had something that the Benetton Foundation in, had promoted and encouraged and supported for many years, the Professional Development School Network, where you were able to uh, meet with colleagues from other schools and plan initiatives together. And, you know, sometimes teaching is very isolated. You're in your fourth grade classroom and you're doing your thing and you don't yeah. know really what's out there. And so it's exciting to know that, you know, what other people are doing and you have those opportunities. But one of the things that was great for me, at, and I was out of the teaching profession, but working at the Department of Education in Charleston, they passed legislation in 2020, and it was West Virginia House Bill 4804, and it allowed West Virginia counties to use state funding that they already received to incorporate teacher leadership initiatives into their annual strategic plans. So that was really a big step by our, you know, leadership in Charleston. Now, I don't mean to be crass, but where does where does pay come into this? Uh, doesn't pay motivate well, teachers? Yeah, so I think I said it's my top three when I was thinking about this thing to, to motivate teachers and, and keep them in the classroom. I think teacher pay is very much, you know, probably the most important right now, but also enhanced recruitment and retention efforts. And the, you know, retention efforts are what I'm speaking about with this professional development and this chance for leadership. But also, if you think about the recruitment, um, the, the Department of Ed has started this Grow Your Own West Virginia Pathway to Teaching program mm -hmm. with 14 of our higher ed institutions, and I believe 31 counties have signed up to implement the Grow Your Own, and that would incentivize high school juniors and seniors to pursue teaching careers right here at home. So that's a big deal, too. And this even goes further, like after they complete their program requirements, they can fill open teaching positions while earning a salary and benefits. And there's a great deal of support built into that so that they have mentoring. So I think, you know, you're certainly right. Salary is the elephant in the room always, but there's these other ways too. Does the trend that we're seeing across the country and efforts have been made, I don't think we're successful yet in West Virginia, to greater control by the legislature or by the state what teachers can teach? I'm talking about some of these laws that, uh, you know, what I forget what the phrase they use. They have a name for it. But uh, where they're trying to say, well, you, you, know, you have to be careful how you teach uh, racial issues, how you teach sexual issues and so on. And, and if you don't teach it right, then, you know, you could end up being in trouble with the parents. 
I know I have heard from a lot of teachers, and, and I'd like to get your take on it, that, that that's that's a depressing thing to feel, that you're being that every day someone's looking over your shoulder to make sure you're not making that kind of a mistake. I think you're exactly right. It is depressing. You know, we do, as teachers, look for leadership from the legislative, you know, policies and, you know, the Department of Ed. But, you know, teachers have a great instinct, and they, this is what they've gone to school for, and they know basically what needs taught. And to micromanage in that way seems you know, like that might be something that would discourage teachers. And I'm not in the classroom right now. I didn't have that, you know, when I was teaching, but I can imagine that that would be precious. There, in, there is a balance, I think, and I'm curious how you feel about it. Um, parental involvement is good. I mean, you want parents to be involved. All right. But it, it seems like parents are becoming so, I don't want the word to use this, overly critical these days that the parents are creating a certain, certain many parents, not all, almost creating an attitude of, of, of fear in, in some of these teachers uh, that they just, they become maybe, maybe parents have become too empowered. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good question right there. I, when I was teaching, I think part of the key to my, any success I had was great parental involvement, and I really yep. encouraged and nurtured that. But I, I do know that it's a different time now where parents are under so much stress, as well as teachers, of course. And I think sometimes when you're under that kind of stress and you've got your own workplace, problems and everything you're trying to do for your children at home, it, it might come out as overbearing. And I think that's what happens a lot. And it's, it takes a lot. That's something that it needs mended and nurtured because we need that parental support in the proper way. You were involved in innovation zones, and it's something I've heard about, and I've talked to Dale Lee, the WBEA president, about it and so on, but I never really did quite get a handle on what innovation zones were. They are, they are a way to try to let schools be and teachers be a little more creative on their own. I mean, is that right? You were, you were a coordinator of the first Innovation Zone initiative. What are Innovation Zones, and do we still have them for that matter? Well, the, that job, that position that I had was my favorite ever, that Innovation Zone, from being the inaugural director was really fun. But what it did was teachers were given the autonomy to go ahead and say, this is something I really want to try. And it might be a little bit risky, but I know, I feel like in my heart it can work for children. And so they would submit proposals, not just teachers, but whole schools or whole counties could do it. And um, lots of support from Dale Lee and the other unions, you know, behind it and, you know, encouraging teachers to take risks. And it was really interesting because in the beginning, it was hard to get them to do that, you know, because you could change the hours of the school day. You could change the structure, you know, and, and the way you hired teachers was even there was autonomy there. And I think teachers felt so um, like they're always you know, had their in their place and they were afraid to reach out a little bit. But as time went on, you could see all these fantastic initiatives that were coming from there. And it gave the rest of the state ideas too. Now I know um, with other things that have been going on that that's dwindled and I don't think that that's really active right now, the innovation zones, but there's 
spinoffs. Benetton, for instance, is getting ready to sponsor something uh, where teachers can write mini grants, four or $5,000 for their classroom for innovation. And it's really, um, it's got a, uh, building a lot of momentum. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but they've been doing it in Pennsylvania. And it's, I think that'll be a nice spinoff for the innovation zone. I, you know, teaching is, and I don't mean this critically, uh, but it's just by its nature, it has, it is very much inside the box. Teaching with very little modification, teaching is what teaching has always been. You know, you go to the classrooms for an hour or whatever, and you sit in the desk and the blackboard or the whiteboard or the electronic board now. And I mean, teaching has not had a lot of change over the years because it's just what it is. And my point of that is, it's probably hard for teachers then to say to themselves, wait a minute, I don't have to do it the way it's always been done. And that's where it gets both exciting but also difficult because now you're breaking away from your comfort zone, from the way it's always been done. You're going outside the box, which is what we want, but, you know, that, that, can, be, that can be a little, uh, a little scary, a little risky too. You're so insightful there. That's exactly the way it was in the beginning. You know, they were taking some big risks, and some of them were like, gee, we don't know if we can do that because what if the test scores fall? Or, you know, what if something, you know, goes goes awry and then it's our fault because we did this? So you have to give them that um, permission to innovate and to, you know, just like entrepreneurs right now in our state, you have to encourage that, you know, a lack of fear of failure. You know, we, we know you're going to fail when you try risky things and, you know, you just pick it up and make it right. But one of the points that you brought up is how teaching is, is what it is. But I've seen in what we've been doing with the West Virginia Public Education Collaborative that if we don't incorporate real-world learning into teaching in the classroom, then we'll never be able to prepare students for the jobs of the future. And West Virginia is seeing kind of a nice boom and, and you know, some different expansion of companies that are coming in, and we don't have the workforce trained yet. So I feel like that's something that really is evolving, you know, giving them the workforce skills they need by, by bringing in real-world people you know, to show them what the careers are and what they need to do. So that's something I see as a change that's needed and, and a change that's happening. If you're, if one of your best friends from Alabama or California or whatever called you and said, Donna, listen, uh, my my daughter has got her teaching degree and she's looking for a job. Should she come to West Virginia and, and, and take a job there? What would you tell them? You know, I think I would say, I'd have to say the pay is not great. <laughs> I'd have to be upfront with that. But I, I think I would encourage it because I see so many programs from the state level and individual schools and, and that type of thing that are innovative going on that I think a new teacher would really learn a lot in West Virginia and really be good for us to have new teachers with outside perspectives. We learn from that person, too. So I'd encourage it, but caution, you know, that it's not going to be a get-rich career. Don, I appreciate your time this morning, your input. Thanks your expertise in this uh, brings a little different perspective to things. And I, we've been kicking this whole teacher situation around for a long time. I like to get different perspectives. And 
I certainly appreciate yours, and I also appreciate you didn't hang up when I started singing this morning. So that that's, that's a good. <laughs> you have a great voice. I didn't. Need, I thought, <laughs> could that really be somebody? Could that be Howard Live? I thought yeah. no, it's a record. You know. Yeah, that's I enjoyed it. it. Hey, Thank thanks you for your for thanks for your help me. today. I appreciate it. I may touch base with you again at some point and get some more perspective from you. But for the moment, I appreciate it. Have yourself a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Donna Peduto is uh, has been with us here this morning on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, she is from WVU right now. Currently serves as the executive director of the Public Education Collaborative. She has had numerous. She worked for the state school board. Uh, she was a teacher herself. Uh, she worked for a couple of private groups that helped to uh, work with the public schools in developing education programs and so on. Um, so I, I thought maybe she can give us some perspective on teacher shortages and how what to do about it. She said, empower the teachers. Here's my problem. We are, as a state, politically trying to disempower the teachers, take power away from them and give it to the lawmakers. That's a problem. But you heard from Donna. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.